Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. And today it is the last message that we're going to speak out of this book. If you've missed any of these, I want to encourage you, please go back and listen to it. Subscribe to our YouTube page and listen to these messages. Now, you must know this. James is not a doctrinal book. It is a how-to book, how to become. And this is the first letter that was ever written in the New Testament. And it was written to believers that were facing difficult times, what to do or how to become like Jesus during a difficult time. And there are 12 talks or 12 speeches in this letter. And the last speech is on prayer. Now, if you would ask me, and I'm a prayer geek, probably more than anything, I'm a guy of prayer. And you'd say, Pastor Jude, what are some of your favorite passages in the scripture on prayer? Well, my first would be 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and pray, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. Can I say if there was ever a time if God's people needed to humble ourselves and pray and seek his faith, and the evil that we're turning from really is a secular view. We're turning to God. We're turning to a God worldview. We're turning with God, all things are possible. Obviously, another one is the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples. Remember, they said, Lord, will you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray? I believe one of the greatest things as a parent that you could do for your children is they're starting school. Teach your sons and daughters how to incorporate God in their everyday living through prayer. Come on. And I love that. And Jesus taught us, when you pray, say. And I would tell the boys when we would pray, sometimes they would just sit there going, uh-uh, boys. When we pray, we say. And he says, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your, come on, say it with me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on. And we go through that. Now, my next favorite passage on, in the entire scripture, and it may trump those other two, is James chapter 5 verses 13 to 18. And you must know this, that word prayer is in every verse from 13 to 18. And it enlightens us on how to pray. Now I want you to chat this or write this down. I want you to write three words. James begins to show us the practice of prayer. Then he shows us a pattern of prayer. Then he gives us a person as a model of prayer prayer. So I want you to really maybe write that down. And when you come to church, I don't want any of us. Can I just say we're making a shift. America is now in a new day and we do not come to church, whether it's here or online. We are not spectators. This is not the Olympics. This is not a football game. This isn't like going to the Clippers and the Lakers. When we come to church, we participate. We open our Bibles. We take notes. We may even say, yeah, that is really good. 
Can I tell you, I was shouting when I was experiencing God online. I'm going, yeah, my goodness, Tom, preach it. I literally stood up and started amening because I was in the hotel room. I ran around the bed five times. Come on. And one of the ways that you could participate is you begin to take notes. And I want you to take these three words down. Number one, James shows us the practice of prayer, the pattern of prayer, and he gives us a person as a model of prayer. Now, hear me. In difficult times, when people are facing tremendous hardship and suffering, we have a tendency, number one, to blame it on God. Number two, to resist God or even turn away from God. And last week, Pastor Steve said, no, we're going to draw near to God and he is going to draw near to us. And I just want to make a statement right before I begin to read these scriptures. You and I are as close to God as we want to be. If you feel far away from God, God hasn't moved from you. You may have moved from God, but through the practice of prayer, through the pattern of prayer, through this person, a model of prayer, you could draw near to God and defy your emotions, your feelings, and what's going on in the world. I want to be close to God. Amen. So let's begin to read in James chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 13 to 18. And circle in your Bible, or pay attention at least, each time the word prayer comes up. And again, it's in every verse. Here it goes. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Say that with me. Let him pray. I like this next one. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. The next one. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, get this, will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Look at verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Let's say that and that you may be healed. And the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now here goes the person. You just see the practice, then you see the pattern. Then look at the person. And Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. One version says passions like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Verse 18. And he prayed, again, one of my favorite phrases in the entire scripture and he prayed again. Let's say it again. And he prayed. Let's do it again. And he prayed. You see why I prayed and it didn't work? Well, pray again. Are you with me? And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Get verse 16. And the heartfelt, persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much. This is the Amplified. So let's read it again. It says, the heartfelt and persistent prayers of a righteous man or a believer can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Everyone say effective praying. Say it again. 
Well, I want you to know, in this last talk, this is the very, there's 12 of them, this is the last speech that James gives. And remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And he starts off this letter, he says, James, he didn't say the half-brother of Christ, he said, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And he ends this letter with this, get this, the first letter in the New Testament, and I believe God's speaking this to the church in California and in our nation to you and I today, hear me, young people, mature people, men and women online in this room, God is speaking right now. He wants us to begin to pray like we've never prayed before. James is not a doctrinal book. These are some of my favorite tennis shoes. Someone gave me these about four to five years ago, and I wear them almost every Sunday. A few weeks ago, right before my vacation, I went to put them, I put them on and I went to tie my shoelaces in the shoelaces because they're five years old, they broke. And so I ordered on Amazon new shoelaces. But I did not know how to lace them like the original laces were. So you know what I did? I went on YouTube and I watched how to lace Common Project white tennis shoes. And it was a five-minute video. So it showed the first one. I would pause it. I did exactly what it said. Then I pushed play and then I did the second holes. I did exactly. And so back last night she said how did you learn to do that I said I watched it on YouTube you know what James is not a theology book it's a how-to book and it's a how to become like Jesus Christ no matter what you're facing in the world and anything in your life and, I, and you know what? Some of us, can I say, I think we want to have an instant miracle to instantly become. But you may to go, need to go through this book again like I did that YouTube video. Put pause, begin to think about it, and let God begin to work in your life. Now, get this. I love this. The first one, he begins to talk about the practice of prayer. And, and I want you to write this down. And I wrote this down on my notes. To me, the practice of prayer, and this is what I put is being present. I don't think, and we're talking about how to become effective in prayer. I know this, I'm not effective in prayer if my mind is on my future anxiety or a past failure or something in the past. I cannot be effective in prayer if I do not become present, present with myself, but most of all, present with God in this moment. I believe we become ineffectual in prayer. Our prayers do not work when we're constantly thinking of the past or worrying about the future. And how James starts the practice of prayer, it is unbelievable. Please write this down. He starts with three questions then three action steps. Three questions and three action steps. Now, let's go to the first question. He says this, is anyone among you suffering? Now, let me just stop. He's doing questions and it's on purpose because questions in the Bible, for example, when Jesus was 12, they go to the synagogue in Jerusalem. His mom and dad left him. They go back. They found him. He's sitting in the synagogue. Getting this. He's asking 
asking questions and they're asking him questions and they're astonished at their, his learning. Now, the first person who asked a question in the Bible is Satan. And they are wrong questions. And can I say, I find so many believers living in a pandemic and just an upheaval in our world, they're not asking the right questions. You know what God said of Job when heartache came to Job? And many compared James really to the book of Job. God asked Job in chapter 40, why do you darken my revelation by your worthless questions? Now prepare yourself like a man. I'm going to question you. And the second question in the Bible comes by God. And he said, Adam, where are you? And he didn't ask a question because he didn't know the answer. Questions enlighten us to the way of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so this is the first question. You may want to write this down. And he's showing you the practice that prayer is a practice. Get this. The first one is anyone suffering among you. And I want to tell you the meaning of that word. Is any of you enduring hardship? Is any of you experiencing misfortune? Is any of you experiencing trouble, affliction? Are you facing calamity? So he asked that question. Are any of you suffering? Then he gives you an action step. Us an action step. He said, let him pray. Say that with me. Say it again. And, and I love that. He's saying, if you are suffering, you're facing trouble, then let him pray. The next one, he says this, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Now, I want you to write this. Young people, this is amazing. No matter what you or I face in our life, if you do, think of it in the first sentences of this James talk, they would call it TED talk or this YouTube video, no matter what you're facing, if you do these two things, it will lift you out of any difficulty. He says this, if you pray and you praise, no matter what dungeon you're in, you will be lifted up. Sometimes we pray, but we don't praise. But when you praise, you could go from prison to praise, no matter where you are at. Are you with me on that? And so everyone say pray and praise. Now this next one, that's the second question. So remember the first is he's teaching us the practice of prayer. It says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So it's prayer and praises. Don't get the third one. He's trying to awaken something within us. Get this. Is anyone sick among you? And then he answers that that's the question. Is anyone sick among you? Now I want to just pause right here. He is now showing the church that the church throughout the rest of time is to have a new look on illness and disease. That we believe that our God became a man, that he went to a cross, he died for the sin of the world, but he also took 39 stripes that people could be healed. That there is a new way to face disease and illness. And he addresses, he says, is anyone sick among you? Now get this, what is the action step? Let him call for the elders. Do you get that? Let him call for the elders. Now I want you to think about this. That word call literally is in the middle voice, the 
aorist tense in the imperative mood. Did you get that? It is in the middle voice. I'm going to explain it to you. It is in the aorist tense and it is an imperative. That means, number one, it's not a suggestion. It's not an option. If you want an option, go buy a Tesla or a Honda. It is a command of God. And listen to this. It's where the subject is taking part in the action and the subject, which is the believer who's facing illness or sickness, literally will have a result or a consequence with the action. Let me explain it to you this way. We don't have a horse, but if we had a horse, and I said, Becky, can you untie my horse? And she went and untied the horse so I could go for a ride on the beach with the horse. That's not the heiress tense. That's not the imperative command. That is not the middle voice. It's not. It would be if I, Jude, went and untied my horse so that I can ride that horse. You know what James is saying? If you're facing illness or a struggle, but you are sick. And by the way, wait, wait, wait. This isn't, I have a cold. I have the flu. This means that your illness has overtaken your body, that you have no strength left in you, that you are so weak. He said, if you're in that state, don't be discouraged. Don't blame God. Don't resist God. He said, what should you do? Call for the elders of the church. And it didn't say elders should call you, but as you and I call someone in the church and say, will you pray for me? You begin to participate in the miracle that God can do for you. So, and, and so he shows us the very practice of prayer. I want to go through the questions again. He says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Everyone say, let him pray. I love this next one. He says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Remember prayer and praise. But the third one is, is anyone sick among you? Let him call. Let him call for the elders of the church. Now, let's go to the pattern. I want to read the rest of the verse. Let's read this rest of the verse right here. It says here, it says, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Get this, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now get this. In English, that word prayer is just one word. In the Greek, it is not. The first two times that prayer is mentioned, it's really an act of worship, is to supplicate, is to ask of God. Right here, when it's talking about prayer, it literally means to come and you hover over. Remember the paralytic in the Gospels? And Jesus was speaking. They removed tiles from the roof and they lowered him down. They were hovering. Let me just tell you a story. A year ago, my wife's uh, father... My uh, father-in-law passed into eternity. And so last summer, around the 4th of July, uh, Becky and I said, let's go down and let's see your dad. And he was very infirm. Now, please hear me. When James is speaking, is there sick, any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray. Literally, it means to hover over. So he was in a wheelchair. And I thought, you know what? Let's take him out to eat. And it was torrential downpour in Louisiana. I called my first cousin. Her and her husband met us at Becky's mom and dad. And 
in heat. We put the wheelchair in the back of the car and he could barely walk. So you know what I did? I picked him up. And there is no way I could have picked Papa up. But he had become frail. And I thought, you know what? I am going to grant him a wish of, you know, in this last hours of his life. And we went and we went to that restaurant and we ate like a bunch of bosses. Can I tell you, it is something. It did not say call for a ministry prayer hotline. It did not say call from someone you do not know. It says, is anyone sick among you? Get this, let him call for the elders, the presbyters of what? Of the church. Can I say it pays to be in a local church? For me not to blame God, resist God, run away from God. I have to spend my life in a local church with real people, whether you're online or not, that when I'm going through something, I should not, hey, look, 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 if you're going through hell, number one, don't stop and buy a condo there. Keep walking and get out of hell. Another thing, if you're going through hell, please don't go through it alone. Bring someone in the church to help you. Are you with me on that? And, and so it says, let him call for the elders of the church. In our church, we have amazing pastors. We have amazing small group leaders. We have amazing people in this church. And can I say, and I want to tell you the truth. Don't look at me like I never go through a hardship. About two and a half years ago, Becky and I, as empty nesters, we really had a communication breakdown. And I told the elders, I told Phil, I told Tom, I told Michael, I would tell Rick, but it broke down. And I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And can I tell you one of the worst things you could do if you're going through hell and there's something in your life, you go, I'm not worthy. This song we were singing, Lord, you are worthy. Yeah, you know what? You're not worthy, but he is worthy. Come on. I kid you not, there's a man in our church, a very successful businessman. He came to the church on a Friday. He was making a million-dollar deal, his company. And God said, go to the church, and I need you to intercede for Pastor Jude right now. And do not leave the auditorium until I tell you. Everyone say, is anyone sick? Say it again. Now, this is the pattern of prayer. It says this, let him call. Let him call for the elders of the church. I kid you not. That man walked this perimeter in this auditorium for two and a half hours. When he finished, he felt like something had broke, and he called me. He said, are you doing okay? I promise you, I stand before you. Something changed in our communication, and it was the beginning. I am a human being. You know what I just heard this week? I was on the treadmill at the health club that only 30% of the people mentioned in the Bible, only 30% ended well, meaning 70% started well, but they didn't end well. Saul started well, but he ended bad. Solomon started really well, but ended bad. Can I say right now, God wants to make sure you and I end well, and we do that by calling for people to pray for us. Come on. Can you say amen? Now, I want to go through this first. Go with me. I want you to look at this with me. It says, if anyone's sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Now get this, pray over him. And that word pray over, it's a different Greek word. It's literally where you hover over someone. And, and like when we were in uh, Maui, Jack came in, it was seven and I was trying to have, if you would come into my prayer time, it would look like I was just drinking coffee. But I had my holy Starbucks. <laughs> 
and I, I'm sensing Jesus, I'm talking to Jesus, I'm wanting to feel Jesus, respond to Christ. Jack comes in, he calls me, Jude, he said, Jude, let's go to the beach. I said, Jack, Jack, chill out, I'm praying. And I said, come here though, Jack, I wanna pray for you. And he looked and I said, put your forehead on my forehead. And literally, I, I leaned in, and this five-year-old put his forehead on my forehead, and I said, no, look me in the eyes. I said, I'm gonna bless you today and you will be blessed. And so I said, now, what do you want since I blessed you? He said, Jude, I want a tattoo. I said, I want a tattoo. He says, and I want you and BB to come and get a tattoo with me. Becky goes, no, that's gonna cost money and I didn't get the timeshare excursion for tattoos. I said, Becky, we just blessed him. So this is a fake tattoo right here. It's not real. It's already fading. He got one, she got one, and he, he, he said, Jude, can I get on the plane with no shirt? Why? He says, I want every, he has his tattoo right on his chest. I want to show him my tattoo. I said, D take your shirt off, come on. Can I tell you right now, it was a hovering over. When you're going through an illness, that's, and even if it's not sickness, something that's sapping you of all your strength, you know what? Call for an elder in the church. Now get this. I want you to get this. Let them anoint you with oil. Write the word oil down. In the scriptures, oil has three references in it. If you look up in a commentary, number one, oil could mean medicine. I just want to stop and say, I believe in medicine. I believe in doctors. I, I, I do not believe that medicine is the source of healing. I do not believe that prayer is the source of healing. I believe God is the source of all healing. Another reference for oil is in Psalms 23, that he anoints my head with oil. The reason why a shepherd would anoint the sheep's head because many times they would butt heads. Is there anyone in your life that you butt heads with? In prayer, you need someone to anoint your head that you just kind of slide off. It's not going to bother you. But another reason the shepherd would anoint the sheep's head because parasites would come and these parasitical insects would draw life and give disease in the brain of the sheep. Can I say, when you have a prayer partner and you could read on where it says, pray for one another, pray for one another, pray for one another, God anoints your thoughts, your mind, your feelings, your personality, where the parasitical forces of hell will not rob you of good thinking. Are you with me? Now, that's probably not the two references that James is alluding to because he would know his half-brother Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, would go to a cross and he would die for our sins and on the third day he'd be raised again. But the night before he would be crucified, a woman came and she got spikenard or oil or perfume and it was very costly and she anointed his feet and his body for his death. Can I say right now, that is the oil James is referring to. That Jesus' body was broken, that our bodies can be healed and receive a miracle. Now, this is a pattern. Everyone say the practice. Say the pattern. No, okay, I want to get this. The, the pattern is this. It says, let them call for the elders of the church, please get the pattern, and let them anoint him. Now get the pattern, get the pattern, get the pattern. Let them anoint them in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. And they shall pray the prayer of faith 
and the Lord will raise him up. I think too many times we put the focus as a pattern on the prayer of faith. And I want you to know this. Many times when I approach is someone who's been a pastor for 35 years and often has gone to the hospital to pray for someone who is sick. And you go and you, this prayer is not a broad prayer. It is a unique, special, individual prayer. And I think oftentimes we say, well, Lord, if it's your will, heal them. What's interesting in James is you too, how to pray. He doesn't even say that. He doesn't say if you're sick. Now, if it's God's will, then you call for an elder. He just says, is anyone sick among you? The action step is you call for the elders in the church, the presbyter. Let them anoint you. Now, is the oil magical? No, it's not. But that outward oil represents an inward reality. Is the waters of baptism miraculous? No. It is an outward sign of what has happened on the inside of a believer's life. And our inward reality is that God is for us, not against us. And for me, I want you to write this down. This pattern for me is when I am facing something overwhelming and it's sapping me of my strength, in prayer, I can relax in the goodness of God. I want to say that again. In prayer, are you worked up? Are you filled with anxiety? Or do you relax in the goodness of God? Now, let me just say this. Throughout the years, I've seen some people get healed. I've seen some people not get healed. But can I say, one time the Spirit of God impressed on my mind, he said, Jude, it's your job to pray the prayer of faith, which I believe is specific, unique, and special for that individual. And he says, it's my job to heal. He said, so when they're healed, you shouldn't take the glory. But if they're not healed physically, you shouldn't take the despair, the defeat, because I already defeated the enemy. Are you with me on that? So what is the pattern? Everyone say the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith, the Lord will raise them up. Can we say it again? Say the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith, the Lord will raise them up. I think too often we focus on the middle. But he starts off the name of the Lord. Now, why would he say the name of the Lord? He's referring to Exodus. They came out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. The water is bitter. The people cry out. Moses takes a piece of wood, a tree, throws it into the water that was bitter or sick. And the waters became sick. I mean, uh, sweet and healed. And that's where it says, my name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I will put none of these diseases on you. So the name of the Lord and the Lord will raise him up. That should be our focus. And when we focus on the name of the Lord and the Lord raising him up, we could pray the prayer of faith. Amen. Now, the band's going to come up. This is where we're going to end. Everyone say the practice. I really want to tell you one of the greatest things you could do for your children is that you begin to show them the practice of praying as a lifestyle. I personally think we'll never live well if we don't pray well. And praying well isn't an oratory gift. It is simply praying to God daily. I heard a man say once, he goes, very rarely did I pray an hour a day. But in my day, there wasn't an hour that went by that I didn't pray. It's the practice of prayer. Everyone say the pattern of prayer. Now, get this. I want to end. I love, love this last part. He says this, is anyone sick, suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him praise. 
Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, in the prayer of faith. Now, the original Greek, you know what it says? The prayer of the faith. I think the prayer of faith is, I could tell you what it's not. It's not faith in your faith. It's not faith in your ability to pray. It's faith in God. It's faith in God. Then he says this, and the Lord will raise him up. Please get this next one. I really, I want to read this to you. He goes on, and he says, If he is committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Get this, and pray for one another. That word pray right there, it's continuous tense. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. I thank God for you, Phil. Probably more than any guy in this church, you often text me. Text me when I was in Maui. How are you? How's your purity? I texted him back. I said, we have grandkids all around, and they get up before the sun is up. I said, I'm doing good, but it's definitely not a romantic vacation. (laughs) And I was just grateful that it's continual. It's not a one-time event. So I want to finish this. It says this, pray for one another. Why? That you may be healed. Now get this. This is my favorite, favorite favorite line probably in prayer in the entire Bible and I believe it the effective heartfelt fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much what is effective prayer prayer that actually gets an answer prayer that works my problem for years in my challenge and this is in my mind it's in my memory The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. You see, if I was righteous that day and I dotted every I and I crossed every T, then I thought because of my own righteousness, then I could ask God. But if that day I didn't dot an I, I didn't cross a T, then I felt like my prayers couldn't be effectual. And it wasn't until about seven years ago I was reading this. He said, Jude, it's not your righteousness. It is my righteousness. He says, and you are a righteous man because of me, not because of you. And when you see that I am greater than Elijah, because I died on a cross for you, I became sin that you could become righteous. You could boldly come to my throne and ask with the confidence. Are you with me? Now get this, I love this part, and this is where we're in. Go back to the scripture, I want you to get this. He says, the factual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available. I like to amplify the heartfelt prayer. The heartfelt, now get this. Then he goes and he says this, Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us, with a nature or passions just like us. Now get this, Elijah is one of the most famous people in the entire Bible. We would almost think he was not human. In fact, in the New Testament, Elijah is mentioned 30 times. And remember, Jesus goes to the mountain of transfiguration. It's Moses and Elijah, and they're speaking to him about his decease. Peter is so starstruck, almost like a middle school kid. Maybe it's an athlete. Maybe it's a pop star. This is the pop stars of the Hebrew faith. It's Moses. It's Elijah. Oh, gosh. He said, Lord, let's build a booth. Let's get a fan club. Let's get so many likes on Instagram for Moses and Elijah. And get this one greater than Elijah. And I want you to think about this. Elijah got so depressed, he wanted to take his life. 
Elijah got so fearful, he ran and hid in a cave. Elijah got so irritated, he literally came against people. And then he also started thinking, hey, Lord, I'm the only one that has not bowed his knee to Baal. And you know what the Lord said? No, you're not. Your righteousness is not of you. I have reserved for myself 7,000. Now listen, in the life of Elijah, he had many miracles. He was fed by a widow. He was fed by a raven. He was fed by an angel. He saw a dead kid come back to life. He literally called fire down from heaven. Why did James use the one miracle? To show his prayer life. He said, Elijah was a man just like us, with a passion just like us, in a lower nature just like us. And he prayed, get this, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then listen to this. Well, his prayer wasn't emotional. You know why the prayer of faith doesn't work for some of us? When we are overwhelmed, we get emotional. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. No, no, no. Our prayers to be the prayer of faith have to be scriptural. And okay, listen, Leviticus 26 says, if my people disobey me, I will make the earth and the heavens like bronze and like iron. And Elijah knew that. So on scripture, he said, it's not going to rain for three years and six months. But my God, I like the next one. And he prayed again. And he prayed again. And he prayed again. And he prayed again. And he prayed that it would rain. And it did rain. And remember his servant, he said, go and look and see. Is there a cloud? The servant comes and goes, no, there's nothing in the sky. It's a drought. We haven't seen rain. Come on, we're in California. We know how that feels like. Say, go again. On the seventh time, he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And you know what? Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Can I tell you, it may look like the church and our nation is in a drought. But I say, go through prayer. Look, there is a cloud in the sky the size of a man's hand. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain on God's people. Come on. Are you with me? And you know what the hand is? That's the church. It's the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. Can I say God is bringing revival in our land? Can you say amen? Will you stand up? My goodness. Now, how many of you are facing difficulty? I want you to raise your hand. Come on, even Pastor Mike said, Janet had to open, she had to close. He said the only people doing well was probably the plexiglass people on Amazon. <laughs> Come on, have you ever faced something that you get mad at God? Yes, sir. The other day, I, I, I was having a stiff debate with the Lord Almighty. <laughs> and I, I literally was saying, this is not fair. This is not right. I have served you. He said, did you serve me to the point of death? Did you resist to the shedding of blood? He said, Jude, one greater than Elijah is here. It is me. And he said, I was broken that you could trust me. Please hear me. Prayer is relaxing in the presence of God. Prayer. Is trusting when you don't want him. I don't need to trust God for things I understand. I need to trust God for things I do not understand. It's like, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. 
I will trust you with all my heart. I will not lean into my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge you, and you will make my path straight. I will not be wise in my own eyes. I will worship the Lord, shun evil. It will be held to my body, nourishment to my bone. God, I trust you. That's effective praying. If you, you say right now, I've been through a hard time. I want you to just raise both hands. God, my hands are raised. God, forgive me. There's this born again side of me, Lord. That's right on track. But that's, there's that shadow side. That lower nature. That one that wants to take things in my own hands. And when difficulty comes, Lord, I don't want to blame you. I don't want to resist you. I don't want to run away from you, God, through effective praying. I want to draw near. And I pray even over my own soul and the soul of this church, online and here, I pray relax right now. You relax in the goodness of God. Relax in the goodness of God. When you have pain that goes deep in your soul, you relax in the goodness of God. Where the pain takes energy and life from you, I come now. I'm an elder in the church. And I anoint you in the name of the Lord. And I pray the effectual, fervent prayer that God himself will raise you up. And I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And right now, come on, we pray for one another. We pray for one another. This is church stuff that we may be healed. And Elijah prayed, and it did not. Now, right now, I come against the forces of evil, against people's lives, their marriages, their homes, their minds. And then I pray that the reign of God come on their life, on this nation, on our church, in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, you know where really effective prayer begins? It's in a relationship with God. The greatest prayer that you could pray, this one prayer. If you ever been around a Catholic or was raised Catholic, they teach you the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the act of contrition. But one prayer that changed my life forever was, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And I'm telling you, from that moment onward, my life would begin to change. You said, hey, is your life perfect? No, I'm becoming. My life at times is a lot like the tennis shoe where the screens broke. And I have to literally watch on how to rebuild. That's what James is about. If you would say today, I, I want to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life. I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. This is why we exist, that anyone could believe in God. That's where this begins. If that is you, I'm going to count to three online and here in the auditorium. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. And you say, well, my faith is private. No, each one, he had questions. Is anyone suffering? Is anyone cheerful? Is anyone sick? There is an action step to release your faith. And on the count of three, if you're saying, I am giving my entire life, I'm making Jesus Lord. On three, you're going to raise your hand. So on one, two, on three, you're going to raise your hand. Three, right now, raise your hand. Thank you, sir, right there. Anyone else? You're saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. Thank you. In Jesus' name, thank you, sir. Everyone pray this with me. Yeah, stomp, shout, cheer. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. 
Come into my heart. I make you Lord of my life. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.